But today, uh, we're starting a new series, and this new series is called Awesome Families. And we landed on this title, and we, were, uh, we decided that we wanted to do this series because um, we love families. Uh, families are so incredibly important and so impactful. In fact, I, I don't know that there's another organization, another institution uh, on the planet that can be as uh, much of a blessing and at the same time, as much of a, um, can, can be so impactful and negatively if not done right. Like, uh, the family is just so, so hugely important um, for all of us. Uh, and you might think, well, not me. I don't really have family. But you do. Even if you don't have uh, blood and flesh family, you have family. You have friends. You have people who are in your life um, and so family is just, it's huge. We, we need these people, these people that are the closest relationships to us. Uh, and we want those to be really uh, good relationships. We want those to go well for you. We want those to be awesome, uh, which is why we called it Awesome Families. Um, and so we're going to talk about a lot of different things over the course of this series. The first, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about marriage. We, we can't talk about family without talking about marriage. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, kids. We're, uh, we can't talk about family without talking about kids. And you might be thinking, okay, well, I'm not married, I don't have kids, so is this really going to apply to me? It absolutely does. There are so many things about these relationships that you're going to find are true for you, regardless of your family dynamic. Uh, And there's one other thing that we're going to talk about that we do not tend to talk about in church. But in the context of the most intimate relationships in our lives, it is so critical that we understand what God says about this, what he thinks about it, his plan and his desire for it. And and I'm just warning you right now, it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you what it is in just a second. Are you ready to be uncomfortable? Guys, guys, we're going to talk about sex in church. I mean, did you know that God invented that, that he gave it to us as a gift he has a plan for? Did you know that? So we're going to talk about it because we need to talk about it. And if we can't figure out what God says about it in church, where are we going to find that? So we're going to talk about it, all right? We're going to talk about some big, big things over the course of this series. I really hope that you will join us uh, for the next few weeks as we dig into these things about family life. But today, we're talking about something that I think uh, probably every person in this room uh, can relate to. Every family member, every person uh, can probably connect with this. We're talking about awesome fights. There's like two people excited. They, were almost, they almost became lawyers. That's why they're excited, right? They think we're going to start debating and arguing. Like, uh, all right, but, but really, like nobody likes to fight, right? Nobody really enjoys fighting, with, especially with your family, right? I mean, your family, these are the people who are supposed to love you no matter what, right? Who are supposed to accept you no matter what, who unconditional love for you. They're, they're not fighting in this place. Well, but, but stuff happens. Things come up. Um, and I know it would be really good for us to talk about how do you, uh, some of you would love it if I would tell you, how do you win an argument with your spouse? Here's a secret. Nobody wins when you argue with your spouse, right? right? But you would love it if we talked about some strategies for maybe some boundaries or how do we have good, healthy conversations and good discussion and debate, right? But that's not what we're going to talk about because I think there's something that happens when family members are fighting that we have just ignored uh, largely uh, in the church, even though it's very clear what's going on, uh, that there's a different kind of fight, there's a different kind of battle that we need to be engaging in, and if we do not engage in it, we're not going to be able to do any of this other stuff, because if we don't engage in this particular battle, in this 
particular fight, we are going to be rendered helpless when it comes to improving our family lives and, and, and really uh, investing in those relationships. Uh, and so we're going to talk about a different kind of fight. And, and, and it really shouldn't be surprising to us because Jesus told us that this was going to happen. Jesus told us that this kind of battle would come at us. He said it in John 10.10. He said this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we love the second part of that verse. Man, I can't wait to have the life that God has for me. Yes to the new life that God wants for me, the abundant life, the full life. One verse that says have life to the full. Man, that sounds awesome. But so often in church we have just glazed over the first part where Jesus gives us this warning. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And yet we just kind of walk around going like, He's not really going to destroy me. He hasn't really come to kill me. He hasn't really come to steal anything from me. This is just poetic language. But I'm telling you, it's not. There really is an enemy. There really is an enemy. And, and let me just make this clear. If you were wondering, like, okay, like an enemy like my enemy at work, like this guy I don't like, I try to avoid him, I try not to talk to him. No, 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 there's an enemy. And this enemy hates you. With everything that he has, he hates you. And he hates your family, and he will do anything he can to destroy it. And you need to know that going into this series so that you are ready to fight for yourself and to fight for your family. The thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. He really, really, really has. He really has uh, come to destroy you. Um, you know, I think sometimes in church we, we hear this, uh, this idea that, that the enemy has come, that, that he's come to destroy us. And, and we kinda, one of the reasons that we kind of uh, glaze over it is we go, yeah, 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 I, I get that there's an enemy, but, but the enemy was defeated. Right? Like, like Jesus defeated the enemy when he went to the cross, when he, when he died for our sins, when he rose again on the third day. Uh, he defeated the enemy. Death and the enemy were defeated in that moment. I mean, I mean don't you agree with that? I didn't think it was that early. Come on, guys. Come on. I've only had 18 hours of sleep in the last four days. We can do this. Come on. The enemy's been defeated, right? So what's the deal? If the enemy's been defeated, why do we need to worry about it? Uh, well, well, the Apostle Paul is going to give us a clue and a little bit of a better picture, I think, in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read that. Uh, right now. This is what he tells us. Now, now I want to give you some context here because when Paul writes this towards the end of the book of Ephesians, this is right after Paul has talked about, hey, this is what a Christian, a godly, God-centered marriage looks like. This is what your relationship with your spouse should look like. This is what your relationship with the people who work in your household should look like. This is what your relationship with your children should look like. He, he's given us these instructions about how to live in Christian community, how to live uh, in our households, how we're supposed to operate, what it's supposed to look like. And then after he's given us that, that, that picture, he says, but be careful. Be on the lookout. Be aware. And this is how he says it. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, but on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, if the enemy's been defeated... Why is Paul telling us to be ready to stand against the schemes? 
Well, here's the picture. The war's been won. The war is over. We, we have the trump card. We have the secret weapon. We have the ultimate weapon. Jesus Christ is that weapon. The war has been won. But the enemy has not given up. He's not just laying down his arms and walking away going, well, I guess that's it. I guess we're done. He wants to take as many of us out as he can before it's too late. Before he gets cast into the eternal pit of fire, he's going to take as many of us out as he possibly can. And so we are still in the midst of battles even though the war has been won. Does that make sense to you? All right. So since we're in a battle, we need to know who the enemy is, right? And Paul says it really clearly that the enemy, our enemy, is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, so let's just start with the first part of that. Our enemy is not against flesh and blood. I'm going to ask you a question real quick. Is there anybody in this room who is not made of flesh and blood? Nobody? Okay, I didn't think so. But I want to make sure. So nobody in this room... Is made of flesh and blood. So, so here's what you need to understand that Paul is saying. There's something I, I just got to call this out because so often in our family relationships with our, with our best friends, with the people we're closest to, with our, our parents, our spouses, or even our kids, what happens is uh, we have conflict, we have disagreement, we have unmet expectations for whatever reason. Uh, there's something that happens and then the other person, whoever's on the other side of the table, they become the enemy, right? But this says... Our enemy is not against flesh and blood. So you know what that means? It means you are not the enemy. It means you are not the enemy. Which means that when you've had that day and you go, oh my gosh, I was the worst parent ever today. Or I was the worst friend ever today. Or I cannot believe that thing came out of my mouth and I said that to that person. And you begin to have all of this self-loathing and this shame and this guilt on it. Guess what? You're not the enemy. Right? But that's the identity that we want to take upon ourselves is to go, man, it's my fault. I'm the enemy. And we live in this guilt and shame. Now, now, I'm not saying that we don't have responsibility to act appropriately. I'm not saying that we don't have responsibility to grow, to be uh, selfless, uh, to be respectful in those conversations and in our relationships. I'm not saying that at all. But what becomes dangerous and when we believe that this wasn't me messing up, but I am a mess up. You get what I'm saying? But this says you are not the enemy. You know who else is not the enemy? Your mom or your dad is not the enemy. And men, can, can we just be honest right here in this room, men? So many of us, men and women, are carrying wounds that our parents gave us. Intentionally, unintentionally, they messed up, they weren't perfect. But guess what? Your mom and dad aren't the enemy. They are not the problem. Your spouse is not the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. They are not the one you are fighting against. They are the one you are fighting for, that you are fighting with. And it doesn't matter what that relationship is for you. Maybe it's an ex. Maybe it's your ex-husband or your ex-wife. Maybe it's a step-parent. Maybe it's uh, your kids or it's a brother or or a sister or a cousin or an aunt or an uncle. It doesn't matter. They are not the enemy. You fill in the blank. Whoever that relationship is, your whatever is not the enemy. 
I know I'm harping on this, but we have got to get this straight. Like We have got to get this truth buried deep into our hearts. Because if we don't get this piece, that we are not the enemy, that they are not the enemy, then what happens is as soon as there's conflict, we go back to this is this person's fault. And I need to figure this out. And I got to get this person out of my life. And I got to whatever. And we start to fight against that person instead of against the real enemy who is not of this world, not of flesh and blood, and who wants to destroy us. Are you with me? All right. So we got to know who the enemy is. The other thing we have to know, we have to know how the enemy comes at us. What the enemy's schemes are. How he does this. Like how he... Operates. I mean, isn't that important to know how the enemy operates? Because if you're just blind to it, if you have no idea, right, then you're going to be slaughtered. Uh, there's a movie that, that my wife and I love um, uh, so much that we included the soundtrack of it in our wedding. Uh, it's Last of the Mohicans. Anybody familiar with that film? Beautiful, amazing film. If you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. There's an amazing picture of God's love for you in that film. You can't help but see it. It's beautiful. Um, anyway, uh, this film, uh, Last of the Mohicans, uh, in part of this film, if you're familiar with it, you've got these um, soldiers. And the soldiers are, are trained to fight a certain way, right? And, and what do they do? They line up in these big, long lines and big, long columns, and, and they march along through the paths and trails and roads, right? And they're just marching along. And, and here's what happens. There's all of these uh, Native American people who are fighting against them, and they're hiding in the woods. And they come at them, like they just come out of nowhere, and they slaughter them because they did not know how the enemy was coming at them. And they just get destroyed, um, in, this, in this film. And, and that's really the way that it went. I mean, that's why they had so much victory because they came at them in a way that they weren't expecting. And so we have to know how the enemy is coming at us. And guys, he is, uh, like, like I'm, I'm not praising him in any way when I say this, right? He is vile, evil, wicked. Our God is so much greater, so much higher, so much stronger, so much better than the enemy. But understand this, the enemy is wicked smart. Right? He, he's not an idiot, He knows the moments of your weakness. He knows the moments when you're going to be most tempted. He knows when you're exhausted. He knows when you've had a bad day. In my case, he knows when you've gotten 18 hours of sleep in the last four days and you've been on a plane for the last four hours and you're coming home and you're going to be selfish and he's going to trick you into being mean to your wife when you didn't mean to be mean to your wife last night. That's what he's going to do, right? Because he's wicked smart. He's going to come at us that way. Uh, so there's a really, uh, Paul, again, gives us a, a kind of a picture um, in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're going to look at uh, of kind of how this works a little bit. He says, um, be angry and do not sin. Don't let your sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Uh, now, I've heard lots of different interpretations on this verse. But in the context in which Paul is writing, uh, he's writing about unity in the church body, unity within the body of Christ uh, in the church. And so it, it's pretty evident to me uh, that Paul is saying, hey, if you are angry with someone, make sure that you don't let that anger go into sin. And what, what does that look like? How many of us have gotten so angry that we begin to call the other person, even whether they're there or not, we begin to call them names, right? We come home and, and, and our boss has just done a, the, the dumbest thing we could possibly, uh, he could possibly ever do. Not my boss, my boss is amazing. And he's going to listen to this on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure. 
Um, my boss never does those. But, but, but like we come home, right? We're frustrated, right? And, and so we're, we're just kind of processing through the day and we're thinking and we go, man, I'm so angry and upset about this thing, man. And, and then what, is, what happens, right? What happens is that turns into sin, not because we're angry, not because we're frustrated, not because we're disappointed, but all of a sudden we start to go, this person is. And when we start putting labels on the person that's wounded us, we're in big, big trouble. We are in danger in this moment because we're saying this person is an idiot. We're saying this person has no business being in the position that they're in. This person doesn't care about me, doesn't care about the company. He's going to run it into the ground. This person has no business doing whatever. Like whatever it is, you start putting those identities on that person, you have crossed the line into being angry, into being sinful. Jesus says... In his Sermon on the Mount, whoever says to his brother, the, this, this word, I can't remember the word, 18 hours of sleep, four days. I can't remember the word exactly right now. But he says this word, he says, if you say this to your brother, you are guilty of murder. That's the equivalency he puts on it. And so in your anger, be careful that you're not crossing into sin in your relationships. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because that gives the enemy a foothold. When you hold on to that anger, you hold on to that bitterness, you hold on to that resentment, guess who is right there with you going, yep, that's right. Let's break up this relationship. Let's break this thing down. Let's bring disunity. Let's bring division. Let's come in there with that. Because you have now, you've let it go down. And this is, this is what happens, right? Satan comes to us in these moments, his, his enemy, the devil, uh, the demons that, that, that fall under him, that, that report to him. These demons, they come, to us, they come at us in these moments of opportunity, right? And in these moments of opportunity, they begin to lie to us. They go, that's right. That's right. You can't trust him. You're right. You are so right. You would be such a better leader than he would be, right? And, and here's what we do. Instead of recognizing that attack and that lie... We go, yeah, yeah, that is true. You know what we've just done? We've invited the princes of darkness, the the evil ones in the spiritual realm to come be our best friend. We've said, hey, you know what? You know what? I I, I do believe in Jesus, but right now I want you to keep telling me this because I like what you're saying. So I'm just going to agree with you. And I'm going to stand here and let you just keep telling me this thing. And and I'm just going to agree with you. And I'm going to live right here in disunity and division and and in this place of pain and hurt and a lack of peace and a lack of hope and a lack of joy. All the things that are contrary to what the scripture says we should be and should have. Because I've just said, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep, Keep telling me that. Keep telling me that. I like what you're saying. That's why this verse tells us, do not give him the opportunity, right? But you need to know, our our enemy is an opportunist. And he will take any opportunity that he can to sneak in there and to convince you, right? Like, like, guys, listen, I I haven't had much sleep. So you're just going to have to bear with me today because I just don't have much of a filter. Here's the deal. Whatever your temptation is, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's porn, maybe it's something else, I don't know. Whatever your temptation is, man, here's, here's the greater battle. Yes, the enemy will tempt you in your weakest moments to say, yeah, 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 you should go do that thing. Right? You, should go, you should go drink that thing. You should go take that pill. You should go snort that, smoke that, watch that, whatever it is. Right? He'll, yeah, he'll come at you in that. But that is not the bigger battle. The bigger battle is what happens after that moment when he tells you that's who you are. You are addicted 
to pornography because you, you, can't, you can't stop watching it. And you're just always going to be this way. There's no hope for you. There's no salvation for you. God couldn't possibly love you. Nobody could love you because you are an addict to this thing. And that is the enemy lying to you, not because you've sinned, but because he wants to hold you in bondage to that. You've got to understand He comes at us in these moments of opportunity and he convinces us to make an agreement with us so he can hold us in bondage. That's what happens. That's how he operates. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? I mean, is there any hope for us? Yes, absolutely. There is hope for us. Because you see, The enemy thought that he had won when it came to Jesus. When Jesus was here, the enemy thought that he was going to have victory, that he was going to claim victory over the kingdom of heaven by crucifying Jesus. But what he didn't know is that God had a plan. And here's what happened in that moment. Jesus Christ took upon himself willingly, even though he had never sinned, he had never done anything wrong, Jesus Christ took upon himself every sin, every wrong that is ever committed against us, everything that we would ever do that was outside of his will or his law. He took all that sin upon him. And the wrath of the Father was laid upon him in our place. And he was crucified and died for us. He was buried. And three days later, God rose him from the grave and proclaimed victory over sin and death. But guys, you got to understand this. The enemy cannot, like he can lie to you all day long, but he does not have the authority over you unless you agree with him. Unless you say, yes, I'm going to agree with the thing that you're saying. Yes, I'm going to buy into that thing. He does not have the authority unless you give it to him. Because Jesus has all authority. The scripture says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus because of what he did. So the enemy cannot stand outside of our agreements. Like, and, and guys, like I've just seen it over and over again. This is where we get so hung up. The enemy lies to us and we agree with him. The enemy lies to us and we agree with him. Like, I, I just, I cannot say it to you enough. And you know what's hard about it? Is sometimes we don't realize we're being lied to. Right? I mean, like, listen, think about it. The last time you were in an argument with anybody, your best friend, uh, your sibling, uh, maybe your spouse. I mean, nobody here argues with their spouse. Right? Right? We're all good Christian people. Yeah. Yeah. I just told you that's not true. Um, but, but let's not dwell, shall we? Okay, so, uh, so anyway, wh- um, like think about the last argument that you had. Think about the last argument that, that you had with somebody really, really significant, right, in your life. Somebody who, who's really mattered to you, who's really important to you. The argument that you had. Didn't you find yourself, like, like if you think back and you reflect on it, weren't you, weren't you arguing about things that you believed that weren't necessarily true? Like, isn't that, isn't that true? Isn't, it wasn't the heart. Like, when you got resolution, wasn't that the heart of the argument? You don't care about me. Right? That's, that's the lie. You don't care about me. You didn't do this, 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 this. Well, maybe I just forgot. Maybe I was just tired. 
Maybe they were just, maybe they had a long day, right? But, but that's not what happens, right? That, that lie comes in and we agree with it, right? That this is how it happens, right? We agree with these things. And then the enemy has authority to kind of spin, spin that and spin that and spin that. So again, uh, so again, this is how he comes. Like, I, guys, I just, I can't stress it enough. We have to recognize the lie. But, but oftentimes we don't see it coming, right? We, we, don't, we don't hear the lie when it first comes. Uh, so, so I'm telling you, when that happens, this is what you need to do. This is what I did last night. Um, and I'm telling you right now, this is what I did last night. Um, when, when Michelle and I were kind of like spinning um, together. She doesn't know I was going to say this, so we might be spinning again after this. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but, uh, but, but, uh, but when we were kind of in this thing, man, and I'm just like, what? I, I don't even, I don't even know why we're. I don't even know why we're arguing, really. I don't even know what's going on here. I mean, it just became clear to me that there was something else working against us. Haven't you felt that way? The something is against us. Does not want us to figure this out, right? But remember, it's not the person across the table. You have an enemy, but it ain't that person, right? So here's what I did, and here's what I want you to do. When you're in that moment, man, and you're just like, man, I, this, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't seem right. My spirit uh, seems like there's something off here. Man, phone a friend. Text somebody. That's exactly what I did. There's two people um, that I texted last night, and I said, hey, man, like, the enemy is kicking my butt right now. I don't even know how. I don't, even, I don't know what the lie is. I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't know what's happening, but, but something is fighting against me. Would you please engage in the battle with me? Would you please pray for me? And you know what happened? My friends were praying for me. I believe they were praying for me. I know they were praying for me. And I know it because the battle began to turn. Now, now, there was not instant victory. Sometimes, sometimes God loves me enough, and he is, I mean, he always loves me enough. He, his, his love is, is perfect. Um, but sometimes God is gracious to me and gives me instant victory and instant clarity. Other times he says, well, this would be a good sermon illustration, so I'm just going to let you walk in it. <clears throat> so there was not instant victory, but there was a turning point. There, was, there were things that were diffused that were just like, hey, this this feels a little easier to have this conversation. Now, it's not quite as, uh, as uh, it's not quite as emotional in this moment, right? We gotta keep walking in that. But guys, I'm telling you, when you can't find it, when you can't see what the enemy's coming at you with, call somebody. Call somebody you trust. Call a friend. Call a family member. Call a loved one. Somebody who's outside of it and say, hey man, is this me? Is this the enemy? What's going on? I need some clarity here. I need some support. I need some help, right? That's, that's what you gotta do. All right. So how do we stand in this victory? This is what we just talked about, right? We have victory. Jesus has victory. He has given it to us. And so this is what Paul is going to tell us to do in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, therefore, since the, we, the enemy is scheming against us, since our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That was a lot of scripture. Go back and read it some more. Take it home. 
Read it over and over again. Study it. Investigate it. Figure out what Paul is saying. But I'm going to give you the big picture right here. Paul describes this armor that we're to put on. And there's a lot of really good studies about what each piece of armor is and how that works. But, but here's the big picture. That you need to have armor on. What's he describing? A soldier. A warrior. Not a victim. Not, not somebody who's just cowering, waiting for somebody to come rescue him, right? That's, this, this isn't Rapunzel in the tower, right? This is a warrior that Paul is describing. And so what Paul is telling you is that when the battle comes, don't just shrink back away from it. Put your armor on and get in the fight, You have authority, you have victory in Jesus Christ. Get in the fight. Uh, Paul is is not giving us a list of things to do here. He's giving us a picture of who we are in Christ. We are warriors. We are soldiers. Now, Now, it's interesting that Paul uses this picture. Because soldiers are strong. Soldiers know how to fight. Soldiers know how to take the enemy out. But soldiers do not operate under their own authority. They operate under the authority and under the instruction of the commander. And there's something that we have to get right in this moment. The enemy is wicked smart. He is crafty. He is cunning. He will come at you in ways that you never expected. You need the intel that the commander of all commanders, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the Lord of hosts has for you. And he wants to share it with you. So in the midst of what's going on, you have to reach out and say, God, give me clarity in this moment. God, what do you want me to do with this? God, what do you, how do you want me to respond to this? God, what do I do with this argument that's going on right now? And, and, and not the way that some of us pray, which is, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, you didn't answer, so I'm going to move on. Like that, like, let him answer. And if you don't get an answer, ask again. And if you still don't get an answer, ask again. And don't stop asking until you have an answer. Because this is what we know. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They know it and they follow me. We should know the Father's voice. We should know what he's saying to us. We should know how he's leading us. And we have to know that if we are to engage in this battle. And once you've received that from the Father, once you're, you're prepped for the battle, you're ready to go into it, you've received a word from the Lord on what to do, then you stand in the victory that he has already won. Do you hear what I'm saying? You stand in the victory. I, I know this is like new to a lot of you. This is like kind of out there for some of you. But, but listen, it's, it's really this simple. It's really interesting. Jesus uh, gives us this picture uh, when he comes across demons and, and evil spirits in the New Testament, in the Gospels. What, what do we see Jesus do? Like if you were to sum all of those experiences up, Jesus, like there's not some fancy ceremony that he goes through. There's not some ritual that he performs. By and large, when Jesus comes across the enemy in the New Testament, in the Gospels, this is what he says. Be quiet, go away. Because he has the authority to say, be quiet and go away. And here's what I'm telling you. The enemy only has permission to be next to you if you are in agreement with him. 
if you let him be there. But by the blood of Jesus, you have been washed clean. You have been given a new life. The scripture says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So if you are in Christ Jesus, you have the authority and the new life to say, be quiet. By the authority of Jesus, be quiet and go away. Not my authority, but by the authority of Jesus Christ, be quiet and go away. So, here's what this looks like. In those moments, stop. Stop the cycle. Stop the spin. Stop and pray. Don't make it a token prayer. Like, like you come together and you're like, hey, we need to talk this out. And you're like, well, let's play. Dear Jesus, would you please be here? And God, no, man, real prayer, heartfelt prayer. God, we are in the midst of a battle here. We need your guidance to see clearly through the battle. But God, we know that you have victory over the enemy and that by your blood, we have been made new. And so by your authority, we declare the enemy has no place here. By your authority, Jesus, we declare that the enemy has no, um, no foothold against us. We break all of the agreements that we've made intentionally or unintentionally in the name of Jesus. And we declare that the liar cannot speak here, but only the voice of God in the authority of Jesus. That's how you fight the battle. Now, what I've learned over the last couple of years is that some battles are harder to fight than others. In some battles, you need your church family. You need someone to come alongside you with that. So I'm going to ask us to stand right now and ask our prayer partners to come forward and be down front. Just be available to fight with you, to bring freedom maybe for the first time, maybe you've never heard about this Jesus and you're, you're just wondering, man, could I really be free from this thing? Man, could I really find hope today? Could I really find freedom? Yes. Yes, you can. There is victory for you today. Come and see us. Come and pray with us. The battles that you're fighting, we want to fight with you. And for the rest of us, we are going to declare to the heavenly realms the victory that we have. This song that we're going to sing, I love this line. It says, there's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battles.